Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Some of y'all need to come at 9.30 and show them how to do that. I felt like I was at First Nazarene somewhere. Anyway, stand with me. Hold your Bibles up high, would you? Welcome all of you watching online. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I, wow, y'all scare me just a little bit. I'm loving it. Loving it. You know, it's a, it, it's a funny thing being a, a, a pastor because you never know what you're going to get from one Sunday to the next. You, one thing you do know, you're going to get about 66% of the people that you had last week, and a new 33% comes in to fill the other part. It's an amazing task. Anyway, um, so glad you're here because I'm kicking off a new series. And if you'll notice, it's burning bridges with a question mark. And this whole thought or idea came about a month ago when I was on a conference call. Every Saturday, I'm invited to this call with uh, some major pastors throughout the country. And it's a Zoom call. And it's initiated out of California and uh, some business owners. And so there's always a topic. And... uh, as we begin to talk through this, they ask, how many of you are one and done? In other words, when somebody messes you over, it's over. Well, there were two pastors, one from San Jose and one from Los Angeles, and they were polar opposite in their response to that question. The one in L.A. said, one and done. It's over. You mess me around. It's over. You say, a pastor said that. Listen, we're capable of as much stupidity as you are. Y'all really are confident this morning, aren't you? Well, we're not stupid. I didn't say you were stupid as capable as stupidity. And so he said, uh, he said, man, I just can't deal. He, he grew up on the streets uh, just not far from Compton. And, and so his whole life was you either got my back or you better get back out. And so that, that was his mentality. He was a street kid. He got, he got born again on a basketball court. Uh, and uh, so his whole life has been a fight, lost his mother when he was six years old, and uh, his dad was uh, not any really any good, and he died when he was young as well, and so he was left with what he had experienced in his life, and this is the reason I'm sharing this is because it's very easy for us to judge someone or have a prejudice, and the word prejudice is very important that I define this. We often look and we say, well, skin color is prejudice. Now, it's racism. Prejudice simply means you have a prejudgment of someone or something that you prejudged it before you've ever processed it. And so if I, you knew these guys, I totally get him when he said that. Matter of fact, most of us on the Zoom call who know him kind of laughed because we just know him. And his whole life was a tough life. Now, that's not an excuse but I'm, I know he has a lot of grace, but, you know, 
he said, I burn bridges. And the, the other guy, Northern California, he says, I, I just keep bridges open all the time. He said, I'm just not going to close them. I'm not going to burn bridges. And I began as I was on that call, I'm taking notes and, and thinking through my own thing and, and thought life. And I thought, why is it that we have this tendency to react so quickly? And, and some of you don't react at all. You're numb. But you have a reaction in your soul that you store things up. And, and you don't ever let them out. And, and it'll have the same effect on you. But it may not have the same effect on others, but it'll have the same effect on you. That if you hold things that violate or disagree with the word of God, it causes us to have a weight limit in our soul. You ever seen bridges and it says weight limit? There, every bridge has a weight limit. And the bridge of your soul has a weight limit. And when it begins to falter and crack, it becomes very dangerous. You're going to get hurt. If you don't address that, you've got too much weight. You've got to get rid of it. You've got too much in you. You've got to let go of it. And so today when we talk about this, what I want to try to do, and when I say try, when I start a new series, it's like I got all this volumes of information that I have to reduce down to 35 to 40 minutes to get started. So I'm going to try to do that. And as I was thinking through this, I thought, what makes us us? Did you watch your parents or, you know, in your life, throughout the, your life, some of you were cut off, maybe from a parent. You were cut off from a, a relative, a brother, a sister, and they just decided to burn the bridge, and you're left watching the smoke and the ashes, and you're looking at those things, and, and it's disturbing. And now your bias is, I will, I've heard this many times, the pastor, I will never get hurt again. Yes, you will. Now, with that, you say, man, that's just a bad thing to say. No, you have to understand, if you can't get hurt, that means you're calloused. When Jesus wept, when he saw Martha, he said, Jesus wept. What if Jesus said, I'm Jesus. My, I know my father. I'm not. No, it, it, he, he had this empathy for her. You never want to lose that sensitivity, but you, at the same time, you never want to be controlled by that. And, and you, you, but, but you must open yourself up. And so what I want to try to do is, first off, address the bridges that we burn in our soul that separate us from our destiny and our purpose. And then I'll also talk about once we start getting on the other side of that bridge, that's when you start saying, I'm never going back to the person I was. Now, please understand this, that in the Bible there are several cases where God changed Jacob to Israel, Abram to Abraham, Saul to Paul. In other words, he was making a difference in who they were and who they are now. And I think it's a very cool thing because if you think about it, they were different people. And God marked that by changing their name. And when I was going through my crisis, there was a thought for several weeks. I would spend about eight hours a day praying, reading, and writing. And during that process, I thought to myself, once I get on the other side of this, and I had no idea how long that would take, that I would change my name, not change my name, but use a different name. I would use my middle name, Anthony, because I said, God, I don't want to go back to being the Mark I was, so what do I do? Well, now we have the Holy Spirit, and so we have his infilling, and I decided that I would go ahead and continue to be called Mark. But the idea was very simple, that I wanted to burn the bridge to the past. 
And that's okay. But burning bridges that other people are going to cross is not. Now, here's the problem. And I want you to go with me on this. And it's a little bit teachy this morning. But I think you'll get it. The challenge, I said, God, when I'm preparing for this, what's causing this problem in our world today? And I began to research it. And I realized we are overwhelmed with information. You know, this iPhone that I have and you have, you know, I don't even understand all the terminology. Gigabytes, megabytes, flea bites. Um, I don't understand all of it. Then you got the cloud, and nobody's been able to find the cloud yet. But it's out there. And, and this has so much storage. And at the, when they first came out, some of you may remember, you took photos, and you did all that. And then all of a sudden, one day it popped up. You couldn't take anymore because it was full. And then you'd have to go back and do what? Delete the stuff that really you didn't want anyway, but you were too lazy to delete it before. And so you go back and you start deleting stuff. Why? So you can get new information. The challenge is in our world and in our lives, we have a certain capacity. Scientists have proven that we have a certain capacity in our soul to handle human data, human relationships, that there's only so much that we can take in and then successfully and accurately process the information we're taking in. Now, there were those of you growing up that you only had four TV stations. I know you thought I was going to say we, but I'm going to say you. I've heard the story that there was ABC, NBC, and CBS, and then Fox came along, and we had PBS. You didn't have a lot to pick from. So guess what you did? You did other things because, you know, you just weren't interested in any of the programming that they had. So you decide... I'm going to go outside. I'm going to do something because this is as boring as all get out. I can only take so many bubbles on Lawrence Welk. And, 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 you know, so you start finding other things to do. Well, here's the problem. Satan is so clever. I mean, he, I mean, some of you get mad when I say that, but he's a deceiver of the brethren. And what happened was the tool called technology, and it is a tool when you use it right. It's a weapon when you don't. So now we have all this information literally at our fingertips. When I started preparing sermons 40 years ago, it was hardcore. I had commentaries. I had to buy magazines and Reader's Digest. And I was buying all this material. Why? For research. Now I have a personal assistant, and her name is Siri. Oh, I'm assuming you have the same assistant I do. She's brilliant. She multitasks. She, anything I ask her, she just pulls it up for me. It's immediate. Almost feel guilty sometimes. Like, like I don't even have to remember a verse anymore. Siri, you know that part in the Bible where it says, and she goes, right here, in. I'm like, she's smarter than I am. And so I'm accessing this information, and, and it's coming through. And, and, and now there are like 3,000 channels on television. Come on. I still can't find anything to watch. I've got carpal tunnel looking for movies and things to watch. It's like, I, I, I mean, it's amazing. It, it's just so quick. Everything's happening so fast. And, you, you, you know, so everybody's now. And then, then we went from, you know, big desk computers and the, the honking things and all that and to flat screens, to iPads, to laptops, to iPhones. Now we got everything at our fingertips. And, and so now we never have to be bored. I propose 
that we have a week of 100% boredom. We are being overrun with information. And the reason I'm taking time here is this sermon series requires a really solid foundation because there's so much to burning bridges and, and all of these kinds of things. It's actually a military term, and the reason for it, a friend of mine went to Air Force Academy, and he's on that call, a brilliant business mind, a great Christian, and he said, he, he was, I mean, to go to, first off, to go to Air Force Academy is one thing, played quarterback at Air Force Academy many years ago, and he said it's a military term, what they meant by it was that when we went into somewhere, that the bridge was burned saying there's no turning back now had nothing to do with cutting off people you loved or knew. It had to do with you cutting off a trail back and retreating. And you know what? In Christianity, we need that kind of thing to where we say, look, I'm never going to be the person I used to be. I'm, I'm not going to respond and react the way I used to respond and react. I'm not going to be prejudiced the way I used to be. I'm not going to be biased the way I used to be. I'm not going to be angry the way I used to be. I'm burning. I'm not going to be accusative. I'm not going to call names. Some of y'all need to quit calling each other names. Boy, that was just a Holy Ghost moment right there. I, Susan and I, we, we have a deal. We don't call each other names. I'm not saying we don't want to, but we made a deal. We will not call each other names. That, y'all, you're so stupid. You're so dumb. You say, well, that's not important. It's very important. Words are like spears. And so we have to pause long enough to say, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that. And, and, and so we have to realize information is both good and evil. This is both good and evil. It depends on how you use it. And so listen to this. The human brain sometimes takes cognitive shortcuts. Now, first off, shortcuts, it's very critical that we hear that one word, shortcuts. Why? Because God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus starts ministry when he's 30 years old. And, and before, like no time, it was like he had a publicist. And everybody knew him. Everybody's hearing about him. And they were so intrigued by the miracles he was performing that they decided that they wanted to make him king. And, 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 and Jesus knew that shortcut is not going to work. I have to go through the cross to become the king that I'm supposed to become. And so what happens is if we're not careful, somebody convinces us we're ready for something we're not ready for. We take that information, we download it, we don't process it, and we act on it. And that's the problem that we don't process. We act before we think. And, and it says uh, cognitive shortcuts to help us make decisions, shortcuts that can lead to implicit or unconscious bias. Now, believe it or not, every one of us in this room has bias and prejudice in our DNA. You have a bias about certain things, prejudice about certain things, and, and we don't realize it because that's just, we think the way we think is the right way to think. But if I really think about it, I have to stop and say, you know what, this is the way I think today, the way I feel today, but that could change. If I allow it to. Why? Because the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. If you're not allowing God to speak to you, you're going to be stuck in the same glory you were 10 years ago. And God has more magnificent glory for you than what he had 10 years ago. So if you're the same today as you were then, you're in trouble. It's like one school teacher was been in the school system for over 20 years. 
and, and, and there was a promotion. She had been waiting for it. And it finally became open for this promotion. And, and come to find out, somebody else got the promotion. And she was so distraught and disturbed that she went to the superintendent and said, I have 20 years of experience. Why didn't I get the job? He responded to her. He said, you have one year of experience 20 times. In other words, you've never grown. It's just one year at a time. You've never used that 20 years to access all you need to be to take this position. Why? Because she got stuck. And we get stuck because we're insecure about what we think and feel. And then we bring other people into our problem and use them as a scapegoat for our issue. I'll get to that in a minute. The human brain can process 11 billion bits of information every second. But, that's the human brain. But our conscious minds can handle only 40 to 50 bits of information a second. So we're getting downloaded 11 million bits, but we can only process consciously 40 to 50 bits of information in that time. And yet we create problems because we've taken one bit of information and chosen to not fully process it. The Bible talks about one person makes a case. It's, this is paraphrased, grossly paraphrased. And they think, everybody thinks they're right until somebody else speaks up. So here's what happens. If somebody connects to you emotionally that is offended or hurt, and they come to you and they tell you who offended them, what was said, and how it hurts. If you bite that hook, you will go in the same place that they go. You choose their offense over truth, or you choose their offense without ever knowing the other side of the story. You see, there are always more than one, one story to every crisis and every problem. The challenge is, is that when that problem arrives, there are millions of other bits coming our way, and we have to choose which one of those is going to be priority to process. And let me tell you what it is. People are always the priority. Jesus did not die for bumblebees. And here we are chasing bumblebees or being chased by bumblebees. And while we're being chased by bumblebees, all we can think about is what? Bumblebees. Why? Because we don't want to get stung. And so, you know, if you're running from something and you're scared, all the stuff that you need to be processing now goes on the back burner because you feel attacked. So what happens is the devil loves to keep us under attack to keep us from processing godly information and data that can make our lives better. So if somebody comes up to me and starts talking to me about somebody else, my first thing is, why don't we get them on the phone to see if this is an accurate report? That stops the conversation pretty quick. And as mature Christians and maturing Christians... We have to be very careful because that is contaminated and polluted, polluted data that is trying to come in to our soul. And how many of you have ever seen this on your computer screen? You've got a virus. It's interesting that AI can get viruses just like humans. And some of you have been infected with a virus because you listened and opened your heart and mind to something that is infected the way you think and the way you live. 
You don't like somebody because your friend doesn't like them. You don't like them because they don't get along. Listen, I have friends that don't get along, but they're still both my friends. I think it's stupid they don't get along, but guess what? That's not my problem. I am my own problem. If I create a problem, it's my problem. It's not your problem. You can be as stupid around me as you want. It's not your stupidity. It's my response to your stupidity that matters to me. And yet I could blame you because you know what? I, I was having a good day until you come in all cranked up. I was just fine until your stupid came into the room. And now you, you want me to take the torch and instead of you lighting the bridge on fire, please light it on fire for me so I don't look bad. Or at least hold my hand and let's light it up together. Let's burn that bridge. And we hope they're on it when we burn it. In 2011, scientists figured out that Americans take in five times as much information every day as they did in 1986. So in a 25-year period of time, that happened. As of 2011, so this is 13 years ago, the majority of Americans were absorbing the equivalent of 174 newspapers every single day. You said, man, I am not that smart. You're right. All you're doing is loading your soul and your brain with unnecessary information. And then the devil comes to get you to prioritize information and data that is not important to your destiny and to your progress. Thank all 15 of you. You see... The challenge with this whole burning bridges and how are, are we going to burn bridges and are we gonna, how are we going to treat people that have treated us wrong and what are we going to do? Listen, man, I don't know about you. I'm going to walk in love, grace, and mercy because that's what God has shown me. I'm walking in that. I am trying right now to get signs over both doors that says judgment-free zone. You will come into this auditorium, it's judgment-free zone. Don't you forget it. Judge not lest you be judged. And the measure you judge, it will be measured back to you. I never want us to forget that. Scientists have measured the amount of data that enter the brain and found that, that an average person living today processes as much as 74 gigabytes in information a day, that is as much as watching 16 movies through TV, computers, cell phones, tablets, billboards, and many other gadgets. You say, what does this have to do with anything? Here's what it has everything to do with. The devil wants to keep us on track to confusion. He's a liar. He's a confuser. That's what he does. The minute you start entertaining accusations against other people, whether you realize it or not, you're lighting up a bridge between you and them that Jesus would never want you to light up. Otherwise, he would have set the bridge on fire when he got crucified as an innocent Savior. But he said, I will never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying you have to hang out with everybody. I'm not saying you have to be friends with everybody. I am saying you have to forgive everybody. I am saying you cannot burn that bridge that God might use in later years. There are friends for a season, and there are friends for a reason. And sometimes God does one season, it comes back around, there's another season. And so we have to be very mindful 
of our bias and our prejudice. So in Acts chapter 15, and this is what I love about the Bible, if you want to read it and not just feel good. Some people read the Bible just to feel good, and I, I like reading the Psalms and the beautiful flowery things that a man who was both a warrior and a poet wrote. I like that. But I also like reading the Bible that, that helps me to see that it wasn't that much different back in the day than it is now. The devil's still up to the same tricks. And he's trying to get people divided and separated. He's tries to, he's, you know, years ago when all the denominations started, I read this thing the other day. I wish I could remember all of it. But it basically stated there had been three dispensations in Christianity. And uh, the middle dispensation was after the first dispensation, everybody, Jesus is, everybody's getting saved and converting and Christ comes on the scene. And the second one is we start worshiping him, but then we start different denominations because we don't like the way somebody worships and the expresses. And, I, and there's nothing wrong with that. But now we're in a, a position or a dispensation where we're coming back together and saying none of those things really matter. In other words, we've come full circle and saying Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what matters. And so rather than literally defaming and discrediting what some other church is doing, we've decided that Jesus should be our focal point. And that out, out of that, our focal point is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and to treat them as such. So in Acts 15, the author of Acts, the book of Acts, is Luke, the same author as the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is telling the story between Paul and Barnabas. Now, when we think of Paul, don't we think of Paul, Peter, Paul, and Mary? I mean, I mean kind of cool names, you know, Mother Mary, Peter, the apostle, and anyway. Okay, you got it. So Paul is having a disagreement with Barnabas. And he and Barnabas had been friends. They had traveled from city to city and preached. They had gone all over the place walking to preach about Jesus. And now all of a sudden, for some reason, if I would have been God, I, I think I might have tried to leave this section of the Bible out. Well, you know, think about it. I mean, it, but, but there's a reason God put it in because he's wanting to show us how to process and handle difficulty and difference. And most people are like my friend from L.A. who says one and done. I mean, most people just say, I, I, I can't, I'm, you're, I'm done with you. Look, man, if you're done with somebody, ask yourself the question, what if God treated me the way I'm treating them? How would you feel if God said, man, I'm done. You're so dumb. I got 40 years of you. I mean, I am so thankful. I don't know how God does it. He looks down on the earth. He, he's moving throughout the earth. And we're constantly going. I mean, I, I, if there was an emoji and, and God had his crown on, it would be this. <laughs> like, really? Do you think you're better than them? Do you not see your own issues? Do you not have your own problems? Why are you blaming somebody else up in here? Well, God, I just can't take it emotionally. Oh. Then God would respond with these words. Nothing's impossible with me. You can do all things through my son, Jesus. Thank you. Sometime later, Paul and Barnabas, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul 
did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So Paul has a bias or a prejudice against Mark, which you never want to do that against a Mark. Paul has this bias, prejudice. He left us on the first journey. For sure, he will leave us on the next journey. In other words, Paul wrote him off. Barnabas said, no, I think he ought to come. You got my friend in San Jose, my friend in L.A. You got Paul, you got Barnabas. Now, you can say, well, who's right? I think it's healthier to say, you know what? God's not the God of a second chance. God's the God of multiple chances. He'll never quit on you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never stop on you. And some of you may stop on him, and when you stop, he keeps moving. You blame it on him. And it goes on to say, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicily and strengthening the churches there. Now, later on in 2 Timothy chapter 4, which is one of the books that's called the pastoral epistles. Now, this is very interesting that it's called a pastoral epistle because Paul goes from being a traveling evangelist at that moment or an apostle, whatever you wanted to call him, to becoming a pastor, which meant that Paul's going to have a change of heart. Let, trust me, when you're a pastor, you have to keep a change of heart because there are all kinds of things between Sundays that y'all don't realize that we deal with. And so sometimes it's very hard. Like if the temperature's not right, somebody goes, it's too hot to worship in there. The sound, the lights. Okay. Welcome back, Mark. Okay. Paul says, do your best to come to me quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Now, this is interesting. Luke is what? The author of the book of Acts that tells the story of, of Paul and Barnabas. Why is that important? Because now we know that Luke lends credibility to the story that, that was being told. Not only did he write it, but now Paul is referring to Luke, the author of the, this, this descent, this separation, this animosity between the two of uh, Paul and Barnabas. And it says, Luke is with me. Now, this is where he gets really smart. He says, get Mark. I'm giving you a real pregnant pause here. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Wow. There was such a stir of division at one point that he says, Mark's not coming, Barnabas. And if you think he is, you got it totally wrong. And they separated. And all of a sudden, sometime later, because Paul didn't burn the bridge... And let me tell you, the bridge is first burning how you think and how you think about somebody else. 
You see, I'm going back to this over and over, and this could be the year of this one line. You've been bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself. You don't have the right to do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. I don't have that right. I have been bought with a price, and I have made it very clear I don't belong to your opinion. I don't even belong to my opinion. I belong to God's opinion. I've been bought. He owns me. I'm his. I will go where he wants me to go. I will do what he wants me to do. Now, there are people that will disagree with you. They'll tell you you're nothing. You can't make it. You're no good. You know how many people have been told that? Quarterbacks drafted in like the 30,000th round become, you know, seven-time Super Bowl winners and three-time Super Bowl MVPs. Why? Because they decided to not let the opinion of somebody else deter them from the opinion of God, if you will. And so what we have to realize is that everybody that sees you as an enemy, it's important that you don't see them as one. You say, well, you know, they don't like me, so I don't like them. So now you're measuring how you're going to live your life based on someone who's lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Oklahoma idiom. Thank you, brother. I just want us to get this realization before I go on in this series that really you can say somebody else is your problem. But they're not. Your response to the problem is your problem. And if you don't stop and say, I am going to defrag my soul. I'm getting rid rid of some stuff that is occupying data space and that is scrambling things in my system so that I can't see clearly. If you don't stop and do that, you will make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Here's my statement. Don't you dare waste one of your sins. When I say that, every mistake or sin that we commit can become a learning lesson for us to go forward. Operative word, can. Can. It doesn't always do that. Let me tell you why. Because before you know it, we start processing who we think made us do that. We start processing whose fault it is and how if somebody hadn't said something, I would have never done that. And instead of stopping, saying, here's how I'm processing this. i got to find this. This is somewhere in here. And I'm going to close with this because it's such a great thought. Oh, here it is. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. This is called ownership. The psalmist is is owning it. And he's using it. Uh, whatever it is, this is his act of repentance from a huge sin or mistake instead of saying, well, if you'd have treated me right. No, if you hadn't been so stupid to make that decision, all of you, I'm talking about the person accusing the other person, you can blame whoever you want. But at the end of the day, you are the possessor of the choice. 
they might be the influencer of that choice, but you are the possessor of that choice. And at that point in time, you have to realize there's more going on in you than going on around you. Every bit of information that you are reading, hearing, seeing is coming in to you. Not just they're not around you, into you. And that's why the Word of God is so very important. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. I, I, I'm, I, I, every now and then I'll get pressed from somebody somewhere or something. And I have to be willing to say, God, I know it's not you. And though it costs me everything, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stand with you. No matter what the opinions of others, I'm standing with you. Don't try to get me to make a decision. Don't force me. Don't twist my arm. As a matter of fact, when somebody starts twisting my arm, I pull my arm out. So hold on. Because if I do the wrong thing, I'm burning a bridge not between me and you, but between me and God. He has the capacity to put the fire out. But if I start the fire, I have to give him permission to put it out because I have a free will, and so do you. And God will not violate the will of man. He will honor the will if it's his will. That's how come Jesus said, man, if it be possible, take this cup from me. He could have stopped right there. God, please take this cup from me because that's how we often pray. God, I want it my way. Take it from me. But Jesus said, mm, I better move on. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will. God, I don't, I don't want to be around them anymore. I don't want to see them anymore. I don't want to talk to them anymore. I, 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 and God says, hmm, so you, that's your will? I was, I'll close with this, and this is the power of will. Your, your will has to be greater than your want. And when I went into pastoring, the number one thing I hated more than anything was doing hospital visits. I mean, let's get real. Who wants to be around sick people all day? And, and if you want to be around sick people all day, you have to have the anointing for that. And I love the people who have that anointing. But for me, it was one of the toughest things that, that I had to deal with in ministry. And I didn't know what to do and how to do it. And I'd go and I'd pray for people. I'd go in, you know, all ambitious, type A full of faith. It's easy to be full of faith when you're not the one sitting there hooked up to everything in the world. And I would pray for people. And I, you know, I thought I was doing good. And then one day it was like, I realized, I thought, I'm not going to do this anymore. And so I'd go into a hospital room and I'd talk to these people in in bed and I'd say, can I ask you a question? I said, what do you want? What are you willing? How would, how do you want me to pray for you? Because you know what? I was praying what I wanted. And there are people, literally a friend of mine who's in ministry, he's an evangelist, his wife got sick, and uh, she just was tired of fighting. Very close to God, close family to God. And and she just said, I'm done. And she said, I'm done. And she died. You say, well, that's terrible. I think when you get to heaven, you're going to think she was smarter than us. And... uh, but, but he got a little angry, but, but it, see, that was her will. Surrendered to God and said, God, you're more important than me fighting all this. And you can say, wouldn't it have been great if she'd have been healed the way we want her healed? Yeah, it would be awesome. And I, I had her kids in my youth group. I had, you know, I was close to the family. 
And uh, so what, I've, what I'm saying is this, is there are different opinions after that situation, various opinions. And, of course, people who loved her and missed her and were close to her could easily perceive that God had abandoned and forsaken them. And then other people who didn't really know God very well could say, well, if that's the kind of God he is, I don't, you see where I'm going with this? All the biases, prejudices that we have are a result of how we process the data that we're experiencing in that moment. And what I've realized is I don't want to outlive God's will for my life. I just don't want to outlive God's will for my life. And that may sound really scary, and some of you think that's just really freaky, and you may never come back to a church where the pastor says, Jesus is Lord. Because that's really what I'm saying. Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm going to fight to live the best life I can. I'm going to fight to be as healthy as I can. I'm going to pray with faith all I can. I'm never going to stop that. But at the end of the day, my closing prayer is like Jesus. Is it better anybody know somebody better to follow than that standard? Not my will, but your will be done, God. Now, I'm going to declare his word over me by stripes I was healed. I'm going to do that till the day I breathe my last. And so if that's really the ultimate where I go to heaven, that's not really a bad trade. But I, I want us to, the, the reason I'm saying this is you're going to get hit this week with just a ton of information. It, it, you can't, you, you just think about it. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thought you have? Because let me say this to you. Some people go to bed afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. And every night that you go to bed, and guess what happens? You wake up with the same thought you went to sleep with. And here's the challenge. Many years ago, I read a book, and some of you will remember the book, and, and, and I don't care whether you like this person or not because we have different opinions, and his brother's a good friend of mine. But he wrote a book entitled Good Morning, Holy Spirit. It was even a little controversial back in the day. Um, though the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raised him up. And so he wrote this book, and I realized I read it, and I was so taken by it because I realized that when I wake up in the morning, I'm setting the course for my day. And that if Jesus were sleeping in my house in the room across the hall, physically could see him, and I get up in the morning, and I come out, and I didn't sleep well. Some of y'all cranky in the morning, your spouse has told me. I'm not naming names. And you got up, and you're all cranky like you normally are, and you go out to the kitchen, and Jesus comes out, and you go, I couldn't sleep last night. You, you worshiped all night long. You were loud in your worship, and I just need you to pipe it down a little bit. I don't think so. I think you'd be so caught up that Jesus was right there that you wouldn't have another thought. Why? Because he set the course for the day. Well, now that he's not physically with us, and we have the Holy Spirit, we have to set the course for the day by saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Lead me today. Fill me today. Guide me today. Comfort me today. Because otherwise, all of the data that's coming in from carnal minds and secular sources will overwhelm the biblical data that we are to use every day. Use it. That's why we meditate on God's word day and night. 
May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my God. When you are at your worst or your darkest hour, God is always there at his best. So I can talk about my problems and create a bias or prejudice in you. Or I can talk about the one who solved all the problems already and all I have to do is let him in. It's my prayer for us today. You have people and friends that need to hear these messages. And, you know, we've, we get so caught up with all the other data and situations. And I ask you this question. I used to ask my teenagers this. A thousand kids in my youth group, and I'd ask them, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you told somebody that you love Jesus? When's the last time you said, do you know Jesus? When's the last time you asked somebody to come to church? When's the last time? I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm saying this. If we really have a conviction about moving forward away from our past, God didn't call us just to run for our lives. He called us to run for the lives of everyone that's in our world. Bring them with you. Get them to cross the bridge with you. But I can tell you something. The world doesn't want a place where they feel unloved, unwelcomed, and less than. Anybody who comes through these doors, it's a no-judgment zone. That we have to realize, you say, well, you're condoning their behavior. No, I'm not. I'm loving their person. I'm loving their person. So let's be diligent this week. Process the right information. Ask yourself, why am I giving thought to something? Somebody doesn't like me. i got to make them like me. Somebody said something about me. i got to convince them it's wrong. No, you don't. God will sort all that out. God, I used, to, I used to try to sort that out. I don't sort that out anymore. God, you know who I am. You know what I said. You know what I did. I don't have to prove that to anybody but you. Thank you, William. Love you, man. You guys, really, we are on the cusp, I believe, of one of the greatest moves of God the world's ever seen. Why? Because the world's in more turmoil than maybe it's ever been in. I mean, when, when you've got tornadoes in South Florida today and floods in Southern California where it never rains in California, and you've got new wars breaking out all over. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm so excited. I want to get a bag of popcorn and watch. I mean, this is, to me is so intriguing to be able to just look and say, God, could it be? And it really doesn't matter. What matters is this, is that as Christians, we don't lose our joy because we lose our joy, we lose our strength. And the devil wants to bring enough bad information to you that you cannot have a joyful or happy life. And I resist and I refuse to allow him to have space in my soul that weighs me down. Cast that weight upon the Lord, that care upon the Lord. I promise you, he's got you. He's got you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for loving us so much. For being so patient with us. God, we thank you right now for everything you do and all that you are. My prayer is, Lord, this week we would be more aware of data and information coming into our lives than we've ever been before because it's clouding us up, God. It's confusing the mind. May we be very selective, God, in the things that we see and hear. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want us all to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it with some fervency. Don't just whisper it. You say, well, I'm saved. I don't need to pray this. Yeah, but the person that you're sitting next to may not be. The person in front of you, behind you may not be. And they need this support that we can provide to say we're with you. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer watching online, please text the word SAVED right now to 405-500-1310. Please text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310. Follow that digital template, and uh, our prayer team will be praying for you this week. We get your name, and we pray for you. We don't bug you. We don't call you. It's no solicitation. We just want to pray for you. And so do that right now. If you're in-house, in a moment, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage. Uh, if you gave your life to Jesus this morning, please go up to one of our prayer team members and say, I don't really know how this works. Didn't grow up in church, but pastor asked me to come let you know today I got saved. Yeah. So it's, a big, it's a big deal. You're a big deal. Okay? You're a big deal. It is a very big deal. So do that. Uh, at this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And um, some of you may have noticed that uh, we got elevated to Pope. I don't know if you noticed the new stage that's now higher. It's, uh, we're trying to make it where the people in the back can see better, and, and it's really kind of weird. So, but, but anyway, um, not, just letting you know, we made some changes, and we're, we're enjoying the changes. Uh, I'm getting used to the changes, probably a better way to put it. I feel like I'm on a mountaintop and you're in a valley, but, uh, uh, and it helps with our online audience as well to see a bigger dimension of who we are. So just want you to know that. But if you want to give today, the QR code behind me, you can put your smartphone on that. And uh, you can uh, go to the giving site and right there set it up on a Visa or a MasterCard, debit card, credit card, whatever. And you can give that way. Or you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226 and uh, walk through that. It'll set, you'll set it up and you give 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, every day of the year from anywhere you want. So you can do that. Also, you can give on your way out, or if you want to go USPS, you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City, 73132, okay? We do appreciate your giving, and just to let you know, um, the house lights, I'm trying to bring you up to speed. We, we got hit all at one time. It would have been so easy. 30 years ago, I would have killed somebody. Hopefully, we're done almost here, so. No, but, but we had a heat exchanger that went out that was in the children's room. And fortunately, we don't have to pay for it, but it's a $31,000 deal and had a hard time getting the part. So there was no heat in our kids' room on the coldest time of the year. And, and then our light, this, there's a, a component that runs all of our lights. It went out at the same time. Glory be to God. And I just decided to myself, this is really kind of laughable. Devil, really? 30 years ago, like I said, it, it wouldn't have been pretty. And, and, but over time, I've realized... I don't have the data, nor do I want to use the strength and data space to get frustrated and angry. Somebody help me up in here. Yeah. So all that to say, your giving is, you know, the lights are our problem. 
heat's not ours, but I'm just letting you know, there are everything that you experience at home and in your life, we experience to the magnitude of about 10 times more as an organization. So your giving helps bring relief to that. Uh, we do spend a lot at the stage. We had to, we had to pay, have it built, and uh, we're still working on that a little bit. We've got some things we want to do. But anyway, again, thank you for your giving. Uh, we so appreciate it. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage. Uh, if you have a need of any type today, please visit one of them. If you want to receive communion, you can do that. If you and your spouse want to serve yourselves communion, feel free to do that. It's right over here to the left. You can go pray and take partake of communion that way. But we encourage you, if you need prayer for any reason, please go and say, would you be praying for me this week? Here's what's happening. Or you don't have to give any details. Just say, I'm struggling. Pray for me. We all need prayer, okay? We all need prayer. And um, so um, if also, I want to ask you, every year uh, we have a lot of committed volunteers, and um, it's just amazing to me how many wonderful people serve here. Uh, but every now and then people need a break, and we have some people taking a break, and we've got to fill those spots. And so there are several areas of necessity. One of those is our children's ministry, which I'll be honest with you, it's always amazed me that I don't think there's anything any more special in our whole church than our children. That includes me or worship, that there's nothing more important than our kids learning about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, my wife makes sure those kids learn the Word of God and how to apply it. And when I say my wife, so many of you work with her to make that happen, and I want to thank you for that, but we need more people. You can sign up either at the information kiosk or you can text the word SERVE to 405-500-1310. Put your information in, and you'll get a call. But I want to thank you ahead of time for considering that. Also, second thing is we had a gentleman buy those two really nice golf carts about a year or two ago, and they kind of sit out there like a used parking lot now or used car lot. We need drivers for those, especially on days like today. Um, they're really kind of fun, and if you have a driving record, we'll kind of just hope you don't run into anybody, um, you know, something like that. Anyway, so we, if you want to serve, you can, you can text to any one of those. If you want my call, um, you can text the word call to that same number. You'll get my midweek call, which is about uh, two minutes or less, usually a minute 34. I just try to give you a shot in the arm in the middle of the week. All right, well, let's stand. We're going to go out with a shout of hallelujah on three. If this is your first time here, please stop at our welcome kiosk and pick up uh, a free gift from us. Take us home with you. And if you don't like us, at least just pray for us. Okay? Put it on there and say, God, I pray for Mosaic. I don't know how to pray. Help them. Okay, we'll take your help. Well, let's go out with a shout. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.